Well, welcome everybody to episode 58 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And this week we are don't have any F1 uh, races. So Australia GP is next weekend. So we'll be chatting about that. But we want to catch up on some interesting car news. And I had some topics actually kind of teed up and then Formula One <laughs> decided yeah. to kind of sneak their way in anyways. So this week uh, the uh, FIA announced that Next year, their pre, um, currently we have the Austin GP, and then next year is going to be the debut of the Miami Grand Prix, but they're also going to be doing a Las Vegas Grand Prix as a street circuit, <laughs> with the Las Vegas Strip basically being the front straightaway. <laughs> I mean... Which is pretty I, epic. I mean, it seems pretty freaking awesome for I, a street circuit. Yeah, I have no idea... If this will make for remotely good racing, but as a spectacle, I think this thing <laughs> is going to be unbelievable. Dude. Formula yeah, One cars yeah. doing—they're estimating that by the end of the front straight, when they get into the braking zone, they'll be doing like two seventeen, so oh, two hundred plus insane. miles an hour down the Las Vegas Strip, going by Caesar's Palace, the Win, you know, That's the Venetian. Insane, yeah. Uh, Bellagio. I, I can just imagine the Bellagio fountains going off, and you have these cars flying. I mean, it's going yeah, it to be stunning. theater. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and you know, I don't know a lot about this. I mean, I had kind of seen a couple of posts on the you know Miami circuit mm-hmm. coming yeah. together and stuff like. Yeah, I would or they're gonna have the yachts, the, the yachts in the middle of the Miami <laughs> circuit. Weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's like something out of a Disneyland park or something. But I know. I kind of wonder, like, so do, obviously, I mean, obviously they're going to have to, like, you know, shut down a lot of stuff and it'll be quite the to-do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I wonder if they're going to, like, have to, do they have to resurface, So you know, I, the, the, the strip? Um, my my expectation is there, whatever parts of the, whatever roads are going to be part of the street circuit are going to have to be completely kind of resurface to make sure because if you're doing 200 you can't have yeah that's a bump no. you know and, you can have a little dip yeah 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 so my guess and is you could within a week or two of of the race they're gonna close it all off and resurface it and then kind of not really let cars do too much on it you know yeah uh, maybe i mean obviously like the strip is pretty big and right. so maybe they're really only on kind of like one side of it, presumably, I guess. So maybe yeah. they can, you know, keep the other open. I mean, yeah, the logistics of it all are super intriguing to me because I saw or they, or they could segmentally close it. So you don't close off the whole strip for two weeks. You close off that's you know, true. a block for a day and then another block for a day and then just kind of work your way down. Yeah, because you I remember somebody put an overlay of what the, the circuit would look like. Mm-hmm. And you you know you can see it kind of like spiraling out into some what kind of like old abandoned parking lots or something, right? And so obviously they've they've got a lot of work to do, and I mm-hmm. and I'd be I'm just like super curious about all of it, like what what the hell is the dollar figure on this? Yeah, is that is that presumably something that mostly the city you know is going pays for, that. and then does does F one kick any money into that i mean i i really should like read about this because i'm very curious how all this works and mm-hmm. you know is it does it then become um do they make this 
investment, assuming like, Hey, you're going to race here for at least five Every years year. in a row, you right. know? And then, yeah. I, I mean, think there you, has to you, be a guaranteed race. Um, yeah. Yeah. They haven't come out with, they haven't said in terms of, you know, is this a multi-year commitment? And I haven't seen anything talking about that specifically. Um, yeah. You know, the, the track itself is really interesting because it's, it's 14 turns, which isn't. That's what I was many. just going to mention. And there's three straightaways. So you know, that's why I say, like, I don't know how interesting the race actually will be because, you know, you it looks know, like there's I only mean, two, three places where you could get a good passing move off. <laughs> if, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously there's like a ton of corners in Jeddah, but the mm-hmm. straightaway made for some certainly some interesting racing with these yeah. current cars. So it's true. You know, I'm optimistic that it probably will be. My mm-hmm. my question for you is would we have this race without Drive to Survive? That's an excellent question. Um, I don't think we would. I, I don't think, I don't we, think would. we would. I, I, I think, think that, I think they're trying to strike while the iron's hot in terms of I, the American market viewership. Uh, and and they're just last year the circuit america's race in austin was the biggest it's crazy yeah it was not only was it like the it was the biggest live crowd ever in the u.s for a formula one race but i think the viewership was also on you know was also setting records like through the roof yeah so i think they you know the u.s is obviously outside of maybe like someplace like china is probably one of the richest markets that they can trying yeah, you know that really growing right really growing they they're not already prolific and so um you know they've already obviously very big in europe and you so know, i and, think they and, 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 a, and it'll be interesting to see how you know what kind of interplay this has with haas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know with the improvements we're seeing out of them mm-hmm. uh this year you know, maybe the the big sponsorship for maybe later this mm-hmm. season or even next year comes out of America. Yeah, you know, maybe it's a big American sponsor who's like, mm-hmm. no, no, this is this is great. You know, you guys are this is free advertising. It's wonderful. This thing is yeah, you know, growing like wildfire. Right. You know. Yeah. Whatever. And, company and Haas is the only F one team currently. So yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and especially if they're competing in in that. It, you know, if they're truly competing in that mid pack where they're, you know, maybe fifth or sixth in the constructors, which sounds crazy, but based on the first two races, is not out of the realm of possibility. Um, yeah. Not only does that give them a lot of money from the, you know, from the manufacturers' payouts, uh, which is great, but then, you know, all of a sudden a team or a company, big company, can look and say, like, okay, well, there's at least a chance my car you know, our, our car with our advertisement on the side of it, our name on the side of it is going to be on a podium or is going to be talked about, you know? Yeah. Um, and no I, and I think that the last place team. Yeah, no. And I think that what, you know, we've seen with Haas this year is evidence that, you know, they can execute mm-hmm. if they, they put their minds to it and, and they mm-hmm. put together a good car. So Mm-hmm. it's like it's like somebody always says you know it's like winning begets winning <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, like i i think that i i'll just be interested to see maybe if something comes out of this where we're you know haas maybe in two to three years is more and more of a competitor in that yeah. mid-tech field more threatening you know coming with more funding more 
I don't know what the main would be fun. Would team up with them, but that'd just be, I think, kind of really cool. That would be really fun to see. I yeah. So I think three races in the U.S. next year, which which is crazy. You know, I I'm I'm really excited to see this play out. I told you like I've yeah. already gotten you know I've already gotten sign off from my wife on trying to go to this race. <laughs> so I, the well, problem like is, a, I think everybody is going to try and go to this I race. So, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, so I mean. I, you I can, know, I think, you know, the pl- first plan is, you know, you try to get seats so you can experience it. Those are going to mm-hmm. be ungodly expensive. So you just have to like, you yeah. know, eat crow on that. And just, if you really want to go, otherwise, like you said, you know, presumably the strip that's really wide, you could probably get up in a casino and a hotel and maybe that's, have a pretty good view. I think but, that's the play. I think you try and get yeah. like above the 10th floor on like the yeah. Bellagio or Venetian or the Wynn. And yeah. the problem is right now they haven't announced the official date. We know it's going to yeah. be in November. We know it's supposedly going to be a Saturday night race. So um, we buy tickets to airline tickets out to Vegas for four weekends in a row and we book the hotels <laughs> four weekends and, in a row. Yeah. Just go out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so so we do know. So the, the the thing is, you can kind of you can figure when it's going to be because there are already races announced for other weekends in November, and so okay. it's presumably going to be the weekend that doesn't have a race already, right? And so you know, you could make an know, educated guess. You could make an educated guess and try and reserve a room now. I think if the hotel, if the hotels are smart, which, you know, they didn't build billion dollar hotels by being dumb. Uh, I think what they'll do is they'll not allow bookings until, uh, until the date has officially been announced. And then they're going to be charging like $10,000 a night for a room during that weekend. That's I, if I, if I was running the hotel, that's what I would do. Cause yeah, I, this, this, I mean, that's something we need to pay attention to, you know, cause I've always thought it would be fun to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously like even if you didn't maybe have the perfect view of the race it's just still going to be a wonderful spectacle you'll it's hear it carnival yeah i mean it'll be a circus yeah so but i think it'd be a lot of enjoyment in in checking it out mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean maybe if you you know made some educated guesses and felt pretty confident i mean right now you could book some of that stuff especially yeah. if they have a refundable option you know, right. for an extra couple hundred bucks, yeah, you might you be looking back afterward and being like, "God, I got those for like you know a thousand a bucks a night. And now they're still in ten thousand. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, and and, all, and I haven't I haven't looked. It could be that people have already done yeah. this and and they're already sold. You know, every every place in you know <laughs> within two miles of the strip is booked. Uh, so I wouldn't I blame know. them. You know, I, yeah, I, I think. I, I think that probably would have been the smartest thing to do, but I yeah. didn't I didn't want to overcommit, but uh yeah. I I would love to go see this. I mean what what an amazing <laughs> spectacle. Yeah. One car is going two hundred miles an hour <laughs> down Vegas. this trip with the lights everywhere and it's just epic. <laughs> Pretty sweet, uh, yeah. So so F one snuck into the podcast this week anyway. There you go. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> uh the other the other thing we wanted to catch up on, um is you know we we talked about when the GT4 RS got announced. Um, we kind of talked about you know the specs and 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 whatnot. But 
now it's officially the embargo came up on on reviews of it. So a bunch of journalists have gotten to drive it now. And it's really interesting because it's not that often you have almost complete unanimity among reviewers about a car. I have yet to see anyone say say anything other than that. This is one of the best cars Porsche's ever made. And Steve Sutcliffe, uh, who's just a venerable uh, British automotive journalist, basically said, and it could have been he was, you know, wrapped up in the emotions of the time, but he said that it was the best road car he'd ever driven. Um, wow. <clears throat> so, you know, I think it's a, this car is really compelling to me because on paper, it it, it should be better than, than the 911 GT3 or the GT3 RS for that matter. It may not be faster, but in terms of balance, it's mid-engine, it's got the GT3 engine, and it's got a lot of stuff that, you know, the the 911 doesn't have like it's got these air intakes that are basically right behind the head of the driver and passenger so you've got this incredible intake noise as well as you know the the amazing sound from the the engine itself so i i i'm really curious to see, i would love to see one of these in person i really think it is this is going to be one of those cars that i think even though it's not a limited run uh i think it's going to be selling it you know, yeah. eighty, hundred thousand over sticker. Yeah, um, just because we're yeah, in that, we're in that phase of like this is the last of this. You know. Yeah, and the thing about it is, it's almost like maybe the the true spiritual successor to like the nine eleven that existed. I don't know, maybe in the eighties. Yeah, to some extent in the nineties. I mean, they've. They've kind of, I mean, it's like the comparison with that 911 to what exists today are very different vehicles. It's so much bigger. The 911 today is so much bigger than like, you know, a 930 or, yeah. you know, an even older. And so maybe that's where some of this, you know, you know, the, the heaping of praise is coming from yeah. on this is if you can separate the badge difference. Mm-hmm. And look at it as a total package and, and the engagement that you're getting out of it. Right. It's probably potentially the more logical option, you know, for tracking and mm-hmm. maybe the experience. Yeah. I, I mean, think like, I think you're right. Cause like that, uh, the new nine eleven uh, GG three RS. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing just, They've almost like one up themselves with that to a point where it's gotten, I don't know, like almost like legitimately a race car. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where it's, it's not really just sustainable so, anymore. Yeah. It's just so freaking gonzo and mm-hmm. bananas that, you know, maybe it's um, like kind of we've talked with years more the sweet spot. Yeah. And, I, and so what this is, become as kind of the in a weird way even though it's a different model kind of the equivalent of your car right yeah i, I think know. you're right i think they're they're evolving the 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 992 gt3 rs is looking like it's going to be just you know they've always been the most hardcore version but this is looking like it may not be something you really want to drive on the street hardly at all <laughs> um, yeah and so you're right i think the gt4 rs may be filling in that role of like the hardcore street car yeah, hardcore kind of track car that you can also drive on the street and enjoy and and uh it 
it also has an interesting place, I think, is going to have an interesting place in Porsche history because, you know, there's multiple generations of the GT3 RS, obviously, but the GT4 RS will be literally one generation. It'll be made over probably two years. Mm-hmm. And as I've already said the came, the next generation Cayman is going to be an EV. Yeah. And so this they're, they're literally making one generation of a naturally aspirated uh, GT4 RS Cayman GT4 RS, and that's it. There, you know. So yeah, and that I mean, the, the, it's going to be this the, little unique spot in Porsche history. I think. Yeah. And I think the truth is, when you put it that way, and you you think about it the waiting lists on this are going to be so freaking long and so deep yeah. that it's basically going to be unobtainium yeah, for I think most. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it depends on I mean, it's it used and down the road or something. Maybe, maybe I, I think you just have to decide because what's going to happen is there's going to be a, a pretty significant overlap between GT3 prices and GT4 RS prices. And so mm-hmm. when you're looking at it, you're going to have to decide does what the GT4 RS bring to the table yeah. is that how much of a badge snob are you going to be, you know, are, yeah. are you not dedicated to having a 911 or, you know, does this suit your taste a little bit better? So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, they always seem to be holding the Cayman back, even the GT4 yeah so that it didn't overlap with what they were doing with the 911 range. And now I think you you truly do have, I mean, I've heard some, some of the journalists saying this too, is like the comparison is not between a GT4 and a GT4 RS as to what you'd, you know, quote unquote, what you'd want. It's, do you want a GT3 or do you want a GT4 RS? Um, hmm. Because that's, that, that's probably a more fair comparison because they're yeah. both extremely... <laughs> accomplished track and road cars so uh but i i thought it was interesting when i started seeing the reviews like man everyone is saying this is like this is yeah absolutely next level uh so it seems like it's just going to be another yeah like you said you know unobtainium knockout hit from yeah gt department (laughs) of course good for them and speaking of uh what i think is gonna be a knockout so this week, uh, Toyota officially unveiled. They'd been teasing it for freaking ever. But they officially <laughs> unveiled the uh, the Toyota GR Corolla, uh, which, if you're wondering why we're talking about a Corolla on this podcast, um, this is not your you know this is not your accountant's Corolla. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So a little while back, uh, Toyota came out with the GR Yaris in in Europe, but it did not get a U.S. release. And for those of you who may not know, GR is basically the performance kind of skunk works division of Toyota. It stands for Gazoo Racing, which mm-hmm. is a silly name, but actually has a really interesting, <laughs> interesting history. And uh, if you're interested in checking out the history on it, uh, Donut Media uh, has a really good YouTube video kind of discussing the origins of it. But long story short, they're, they're involved in the development of all of the high-performance stuff uh, coming out of Toyota, including dating back to the LFA, um, mm. and so, so the GR Yaris was, you know, the Yaris obviously is a little small hatchback, and they put in this, you know, crazy turbocharged three-cylinder engine that, and, and gave it all-wheel drive, and 
limited slip differential and, and basically turned it into like a little rally car. Rally car, yeah. And people absolutely loved it. It's it's it became basically an instant hit for them. And so, you know, all the American enthusiasts basically said, Hey, you know, we'd love a car like this. You know, we don't really have too many of these hot hatches available on the market. You've got like the R thirty two, um the Golf R thirty two. Um and you know and we know Subaru isn't doing a WRX STI this generation. We talked about that yep. on, on last podcast or the one before, I forget. But so there was a kind of a, a, a lack of that sort of enthusiast, all-wheel drive, rally-bred kind of car. So Toyota is kind of answering that question with the Corolla, the GR Corolla. And it is actually going to be pretty nuts, I think. So it's got a 1.6 liter turbo three cylinder making 300 horsepower and 273 pound feet of torque. And it's got, they haven't <clears> really configurator <throat> yet, but uh, supposedly it's going to have a, a kind of a, a core version and then what they call the circuit package. And the circuit package has like a carbon fiber roof and this like cool vented hood and like, you know, some some cool touches, red brake calipers. And, um, and I think it looks really sweet, but there's a, a performance package you can get on it. Um, that'll give you front and rear limited slip differentials. It's got all wheel <laughs> drive. It, it just, it's got this kind of cool wide body kit kind yeah, of look to it too. Um, yeah, so I'm curious impressive. what you, so I, I've got, I've got some things to say about this, uh, as you know, but I'm curious to see yeah. what you thought about it. Well, I think, you know, like you, I followed along with it, kind of heard rumblings of it over time and was curious what mm-hmm. they would end up settling on. <clears throat> and I think they're really hitting a sweet spot. You know, you really just have to kind of applaud their, you know, I guess in a way, courage, trying to trust the Americans that will actually buy them you right. know, and jumping into this kind of niche market over here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, it's there's an interesting interplay with, the STI not coming over mm-hmm. and this being available because they, they almost seem like in a way complementary to some extent, right. it's just being a hatchback, I guess, from kind of the get go. Right. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that that gives them some, some breathing room mm-hmm. um, in terms of, Hey, you know, I'd like something a little bit more than WRX in terms of performance and stuff. Here you've got this as a an option uh, to consider. You said it, it is a manual, right? Yeah, they're all six speed manuals, um, which is the other kind of big thing for the enthusiast set. Obviously, exactly. Um, yeah, I and mean, I, and I think that's why it makes the short list for right. guys <laughs> yeah. like you and I, because right. it's it's really honestly, I think in this day and age where it feels like a lot of companies are trying to prove points with the the EVs and and just, they have this storied history of like a BMW M3 in every version. Mm -hmm. And now there feels like there's like freaking four versions of every M3, but they've all got to be a little bit faster than the last. Right. And because of that progression, you in, Maybe not the M3 exactly, but some of these versions have gotten to a point where it's like, okay, are you, do you live near a track? You don't? Right. Okay, well, you're not going to really be able to access more than 60 or 70% of this car if mm-hmm. you're staying within reason. Right. Um, 
And so these cars are fun from the standpoint of you get to basically enjoy all of that. Yeah, you get to ring it out. Yeah, you get to ring it out. You get to floor it, Mm -hmm. um, take it on twisties on public roads Mm -hmm. and let it rip. And and you can enjoy a substantial portion of that. And I think without being unsafe and ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so I think that that's something, you know, it's something that I kind of have struggled with a little bit, you know, with the, the Tycon it's just so overwhelmingly powerful. You really Mm -hmm. only get kind of micro doses of it. Right. And you really don't like get to ring it out. And that is, it's intriguing on paper. You know, you read the numbers and you're like, God, that's really fun. And it is really fun. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's kind of why my my kind of ongoing attraction to like a BMW M3 in manual form mm-hmm. is something that I think in terms of the driver engagement is is not really replicated, um, right? you know, in the EV world. And so from that standpoint, it's a really exciting vehicle. Um, yeah, yeah. I I'll tell you how excited I was about it. I, this, this is not news to you, but, uh, news to folks listening. So I actually, um, put, put my name down on the reservation list for one. Yeah. I, I think this to me is a perfect daily driver for where we live. Yeah. It's a Toyota, uh, and it, it will presumably have similar Toyota reliability and yeah. easy to, you know, get parts for it, get it repaired. Um, yeah. heck of a lot cheaper running costs than my BMW. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my BMW knock on wood has been a great car in terms of reliability, but we all kind of know the reputation as a BMW gets older. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they tend to become money pits. Yeah. And so I thought this, this could be a perfect replacement for my BMW. I still get to have a, a daily driver. That's a manual, um, all wheel drive, fun, enjoyable car to drive. You know, but the interesting thing was my experience with the dealership. Uh, so I called our local dealership and then I called the dealership up in the Twin Cities. And they both basically told me like right off the bat, like, we don't know any more th- than you do. <laughs> We're basically yeah. like learning about the car as you're learning about it. You know, the, the guy I talked to asked me, you know, like what my preferences are were for like color and options and stuff and i said well there's the configurator's not up yet so i can't tell you what all options i want i think we you and i have have had the experience of talking to like dealers at like bmw and porsche and stuff and and you're used to we're we're used to the idea of i configure it how i want and then i order that car you know that's that's kind of that the experience that you've had with your tycon that's you know the experience i expected to have with this but they mm-hmm. said the way they do it is Toyota builds a bunch of cars. And then when they get a car in to the dealership that is uh, closely matches the options and color that I wanted, they would give me a call and say, do you, do you want it? Basically kind of giving me right a first refusal of it. So that, that was different. That um, is very and, different. And the other thing is the, uh, the guy at the dealership, the salesman, it wasn't the sales manager, but one of the sales associates I was talking to, he, <laughs> I've never talked to a Porsche like salesman yeah. who didn't actually know quite a bit about the cars. Like yeah. they, know, they know the product they're selling. 
Um, that is not the case apparently at Toyota dealerships because, because this guy was like, so, so they're all manuals. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, they're all manuals. I'm like telling him about the car. He has no idea yeah. about the car. And then I, I actually had called, uh, the previous. So it was announced on Thursday night, uh, at like eight 30. And I called the Toyota dealership at like six o'clock when I got off work. Just to see, hey, are, are you planning on having a reservation list for this, you know, et cetera. And the, the person I talked to at that time, she seemed to have no idea that this, like, announcement was coming. And she was completely, like, flabbergasted as to, she's like, I've had so many calls about this Corolla today. And I said, I said, she, and it was like, they couldn't believe they had a car that people were actually excited about. Uh, and, <laughs> That's and that's probably that's probably what the issue here is. Yeah, you know I, I the, the so. clientele rolling through there and what their desires are. It's well, that's know, pick something that's close and make right. it work. And this right. is just like foreign land to them. I think that's exactly it. Like you're, <laughs> you're used to people coming in. The the clientele that goes to deal a Toyota dealer are typically not car enthusiasts outside of the yeah. GR eighty six. You know. They're they're buying Camrys because they're buying Camrys because they're reliable and get good gas mileage. They're buying Corollas because they're reliable and get good gas mileage. Like, yeah, you know, they're not dealing with car enthusiasts probably very often in a Toyota dealership. Yes, they have the yeah. Supra, but we know Supra sales have not been that great. So yeah. by and large, they're selling economy cars to people who just want to get from A to B, and they're they want their car to start every time. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. all they care about. Yeah. Um, and so they just, they seem, (laughs) seem bewildered by, uh, the fact that people were excited about a Corolla. (laughs) That's so funny. That is awesome. I just got a kick out of it. (laughs) You would Um, would have thought with at least having the Supra out for mm -hmm. a couple of years, they would have had some interaction with people who were enthusiasts and and know what they want. Yeah, just because that's a part of their portfolio currently, but it it just doesn't sound like it. No, I think they're just used to being a volume seller yeah. of cars. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. they're not used to ta- you know catering to the car enthusiast who who really does care about you know yeah. the carbon fiber trim pieces or the you know they'll probably the understand a little bit more when they see the price of this thing and they're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> it, so, yeah. So they <laughs> haven't announced the confused. price. They haven't announced the price yet, but my guess is it'll be like between 35 and 40,000 because that would put it, that would keep it under the Supra. Um, and True. It, would, Good but point. it would be a, a bump up from whatever the top trim curl is right now, which it, it should be, you know, the, and that and it would be a bit more expensive than the GR Yaris, which makes sense because the Yaris is a smaller car. So, um, I like but anyway, it, that's how excited I am about it. Is that's is super I, cool? I want one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, do you think the weight will be? Uh, so they've said that that Toyota has said that the first cars will be coming into dealerships in fall 2022. Okay. The dealership basically said don't really expect anything before early 2023. Um, okay. And so, you know, I, again, you're dealing with chip shortages, you're dealing with material shortages. The other component of this that I, I don't know the answer to is if I can buy the car at MSRP, I'm, I'm very interested. 
But if yeah. they call me up and say, okay, well, you're, you know, we've got this car in that matches what you're interested in. Do you want it? Okay, great. Well, the final price is going to be, you know, $38,000 plus a $10,000 market adjustment. I, I'm not yeah. interested. Like, I, no. I want the car, but I'm not, I'm not going to pay overs for a Corolla. I'm sorry. It's yeah. No, 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 no. I completely agree with that. And I, I get the sense, I don't know you know, cause I can't predict the future, but I get the sense that at some point things are going to cool off. Like it's yeah. just how the world works. And so, you mm-hmm. know, to have paid $10,000 extra for this, I mean, it's crazy. You know, I mean, within people the next do it. two to three years, I think we're probably going to see that mm-hmm. slow down and then it's yeah. going to be like, Oh my God, I, you know, my car just depreciated like a rock and I was already yeah. over. This is a disaster, right. you know. And I and I can yeah. wait. Like I don't, I don't, I <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, exactly. You know, They're I'm not in a hurry. Probably but... produce this for a little while, and you yeah. know, honestly, that might play to your advantage a little bit. That they do just kind of ship them to dealerships, so you could call around the country and maybe find right. one that matches. And they're like, yeah, no, you can have it at MSRP. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the trick is you find one that got sent to some little dealership in Iowa or. You know, yeah, somewhere where maybe work. they're not getting a ton of uh, traction with it. Because uh, <laughs> so, Corolla, yeah, no, no, yeah. we only get, we only need trucks. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need tundras. <laughs> we need more thing? tundras. Sent <laughs> <laughs> does this. Yeah. So and, and they don't realize they got a diamond in the rough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I so I'm excited. Uh, I'm really excited about it. We'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, hopefully they don't do the the ADM BS, but. You know, Toyota dealers were doing that with the Supra, and it kind of tanked a lot of early enthusiasm yeah. for them. So either they're going to just do it again and keep shooting themselves in the foot, or they'll hopefully learn their lesson and realize, hey, we we killed the sales of of this other fun car that we had because we were charging thirty forty over. Uh, maybe yeah. we don't do that. Yeah, again. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's that's all we had this week. Uh, kind of a fun fun week getting to talk about uh, something I'm pretty excited about. But um, yeah. we'll be back next week with uh, some more F1 talk. We'll have the Australian Grand Prix. Hopefully we'll see Haas continuing to perform well and uh, <laughs> we'll get Charles Max round three. So yeah. it'll be pretty exciting. Um, but until then, be sure to check us out on Instagram at the Blofeld Podcast. Be sure to, to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And until then, we'll see you all next week.